You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Friday, November 10th, and we're talking at Reds baseball today with our good friend Mark Sheldon, Reds reporter for MLB.com. Mark, we thank you for the time and uh, a decent week uh, for some Reds players, uh, in particular Tucker Barnhart winning his first career gold glove and beating out some uh, hefty competition behind the plate. We will uh, talk about that. Also talk about uh, Joey Votto's chances of winning his second career NL MVP award, his competition this season, uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Paul Goldschmidt. But, Mark, first and foremost, unfortunately, the news that has uh, dominated baseball and pretty much the sports world this week, uh, not good news, certainly. That's an understatement. Uh, the tragic passing of Roy Halladay, the former two-time Cy Young winner at the age of 40 uh, in that plane crash uh, off the Gulf of Florida. And, uh, you know, Mark, it's, it's just one of these things that just really – it just just hits you in the gut and knocks the wind out of you when you when you see something like this. It's it's such a tragedy when this happens to any athlete's period, any person period, obviously. But when you're talking about a guy who was so accomplished uh, during his baseball career and you know rose from such depths uh, competitively to ascend to such heights as, like I said, winning two Cy Youngs, a perfect game, a postseason no hitter, and the list goes on. Then on top of that, you factor in what a great guy he was and a wonderful husband, a tremendous father to two young boys. You know, like I said, it just it hits you in the gut, and it's it's just really hard to process. And I, I'm sure that uh, you know you feel the same way. Yeah, I, I didn't have the uh, the good fortune to ever meet him or interview him and, and deal with him on a on a personal level. Uh, it's obviously the horrible, just horrible news to see any life cut short at 40 there's a lot of life left at, at that age and and uh you know he has kids and a family and and all that and it's just uh, it's a shame and I felt really bad the uh obviously for the you may, you kind of touched on it a minute ago is when I think about Roy Halladay and the opportunities I've had to watch him pitch over the years none stand out even more than um October 6th uh, 2010 it was the first of the four no hitters I ever covered and it was certainly the best one uh, he, he, he was only the second pitcher ever to, to throw a no-hitter in the postseason, and he was masterful. He was just a walk, a two-out walk to Jay Bruce away from a perfect game. Mm. And it, you were watching a guy have complete and total uh, control over an opponent I, I, like I've never seen before. He absolutely buried the Reds. They had no chance. They didn't come close to getting any hits that I recall. And it was uh, an, just an amazing performance. It was, it was just absolute total pitching brilliance and not only did he shut down the Reds for that game one of the of the postseason but he he basically deflated the entire team and, and they, they didn't have anything left for the other two games they were swept in the NLDS and that was one of the first of their uh, postseason frustrations that's kind of happened in this decade so uh, but Roy Halladay was a, a great pitcher from what I understand a great guy and uh, I definitely feel bad for his family and condolences to the fans in Toronto and Philadelphia. Yeah, no question. And, of course, uh, you know, you've been at this for a long time. You've seen a, a lot of games and a lot of uh, pitching performances, a lot of great pitching performances. But considering the stakes, uh, like you said, it was a playoff game after all, and he, uh, he no-hits uh, no the team without breaking a sweat seemingly. Is that the most dominant uh, pitching performance you've ever seen, at least in person? Yeah, I, I was just looking it up when, I, you know, knowing we were going we to discuss him, and, and he had – First pitch strikes at 25 of his 28 batters, Jeez. and that's just amazing. He just started every guy off of strike one, and it's uh, that's that's pretty good. I mean, I've seen Jake Arrieta throw a no hitter and a 16 nothing shutout a couple years ago on the Reds, and 
obviously you've, you've watched things on TV or the Justin Verlander kind of games. And I, I've been, but in person, I don't think I've ever seen a more brilliant, more perfect, more just dominant pitching performance from one guy than I saw from Roy Halladay on the Reds. I mean, the Reds were no slouches. That was their first time in the playoffs in 15 years, but they had a lot of good guys, including the, the 2010 MVP and Joey Votto, uh, Jay Bruce, uh, Scott Rowland. They, they had some major hitters in that lineup, and the fact that they were able to be no hit by him with the stakes so high in the postseason is just remarkable. Yeah, it really is. And the stat about uh, 25 of 28 first pitch strikes, that to me – is even more mind-blowing considering at some point during the game, if you're a Reds hitter, you got to know that the first pitch is going to come right down the shoe, and if you still can't do anything with it, even if you know it's a 95% chance it's going to be in the strike zone, that to me is even more remarkable uh, when you just add another layer uh, to that dominant performance uh, in the postseason. So, you know, great memories there, maybe not so great for Reds fans, but from an overall perspective of just uh, illustrating how dominant uh, Roy Halladay was and certainly a, a very tough, uh, tragic loss for the sports world and obviously uh, condolences uh, to his wife and to his kids. It's it's just uh, just been a bad week. It's just been a really bad week, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can try to, to move on and, and put this behind us, certainly. Uh, well, Mark, uh, let's attempt to do that as uh, we check off some of the items on the Reds uh, list here during the week. And first and foremost, as I brought up at the onset, a gold glove uh, for Tucker Barnhart, uh, his first career gold glove. And he beats out the likes of uh, Yadier Molina and Buster Posey. No slouches they. Uh, you know, when you look at the evolution of Tucker Barnhart over the years, is this one of the more you know, stunning evolutions of a player from a guy that, you know, we battled injuries. He was, he was a backup for some time. And now, you know, not only an established everyday player, but a gold glover. Yeah. I don't recall him battling any injuries, but what he has done is was a guy that was not exactly viewed as a total prospect prototype on his way up. He was always well thought of. He had a defensive gold glove uh, as a minor league catcher. So that kind of stood out, he, but he's a smaller guy. He's only like five, nine. He's not a huge, big bulk catcher. That's kind of the prototype these days, and he just sort of steadily made his way up. He, he was always around spring training, working with the pitchers, even if, as a minor leaguer. They'd have him in big league camp as a non-roster guy, and you just kind of saw that he, he kind of got it. He was there for defense. He was there to work with pitchers and, and understand how to call games. And then he got his break when, you know, Devin Mazzarocco kind of had opened the year on the DL, and he was, you know, called up from double-A to be on the opening day roster, and he got a few games, and uh, in 2014, and he got some more games in 15. He got a lot more games in 16, and obviously 17, because Mesoraco has been held at 95 games in the last three years, and that's opened up the door for Barnhart to become very good and to show what he can do. And his defense has only gotten better. His, his offense has improved too, and he's well regarded among the pitchers for for helping, especially this young staff, for helping them get through a game. And uh, he called this award everything because he 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 knows he's here for defense. He knows he got a four-year contract because of his defense, and he's just he said this means everything to him, especially to beat Yadier Molina and Buster Posey. Basically, no no one besides those two guys have won the award since 2007, and also it puts him on the same level as Johnny Bench, who was the last Reds catcher to win one. That was 1977, so it's it was a big deal to him. As it should be, and I saw a tweet that uh, Mr. Bench uh, sent in the direction of Mr. Barnhart, and I'm sure that had to uh, make his his day, if not his month or his year. Uh, but yeah, like you like you said, this is a guy that's uh, there for defense, and uh, 
to earn the ultimate defensive honor over guys, you know, the likes of Molina and Posey. And Molina is, we're not talking about prime Yadier Molina, certainly. He's in his mid-30s now, but he's still one of the greatest defensive catchers in the history of baseball. But uh, for 2017, Tucker Barnhart is the man, uh, the first catcher in 40 years for the Reds. Like you said, Johnny Bench, the most recent one before, uh, just a couple of days ago. Another award that a Red would like to take home is the NL MVP. We touched on it briefly uh, back in 2010. Joey Votto won that honor. He's looking to make it uh, two career honors here seven years later. An MVP finalist along with uh, Giancarlo Stanton and Paul Goldschmidt. And I think, you know, a lot of people consider Giancarlo uh, the favorite, and why not? The guy, you know, just came up short of 60 home runs at a monster season. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, the only one of the three to play for a winning team. Whether that factors into it, I'm not sure. Everybody says it doesn't or it shouldn't, but it somehow always does, I think. But you look at Votto's overall numbers, and I think, despite the 59 home runs and the, the massive number of RBIs that Stanton had, Votto's numbers overall are the best. I don't think that's really uh, in dispute. So I think it's going to be a pretty fascinating vote. Uh, how do you see this whole thing playing out? It is going to be fascinating. I was a voter. I can't obviously reveal my, my, my choices yet. But I will say this was a very, very tough bout. I anguished over this a lot for just all the reasons you even said. And there were some guys that didn't make the finalist group that were certainly could, – you could make a conversation for like maybe six to seven guys that yeah. could have been the MVP of the National League. So it was uh, a deep, deep uh, category this year. Uh, and and Votto, I, I got the privilege of being able to watch him play this year and – Yes, the numbers say that he had a better year in a lot of ways over the other two finalists. Certainly, he had better numbers all across the board, except he was tied for uh, home runs with Goldschmidt, and he had less RBIs. And the RBI stat obviously is kind of losing significance in some ways, but it did win Goldschmidt the Silver Slugger. So that's a different, uh, you know, with the managers and the coaches, they vote on that. But uh, I don't think it matters per se whether for Stanton or Votto, they weren't in the postseason. I, I think they had. The, the kind of year that, that kind of transcends that. They, they had a very, very good year. Um, and I, I don't know if he's going to win. It's, it's going to be tough. I think a lot of people kind of noticed Joey Votto when they started looking at the numbers the last week of the season. That Man, this guy had a sneaky good year mm-hmm. out of the spotlight for a last-place team. And I got to see it all year. The guy you know, played all 162 games, started all 162 games. He only had 12 games where he didn't get on base. He had a, a streak that was almost uh, tied Ted Williams for getting on uh, for 20 games in a row, getting on base twice in a game, um, and he just did it did it all. He, and he also was a good influence on his teammates, guys like Eugenio Suarez and Zach Cozart. So they they really patterned a lot of their game after Votto and worked with him, and it made them better. So I think that does say he's a valuable player, and I, I just think you know overall he stepped it up this year. He went out to be better, and he improved his defense. He was. He got power. He he did it all. He got on base. I think he has a case for being MVP. I had I think he has got a great case, and I think that uh, you know the, the knee jerk reaction if uh, if Stanton does not win is going to be what are you kidding me? You know the guy hit fifty nine home runs, and we we tend to you know have blinders on, and we just look at the glamour stats, if you will. But you know, like you said, the overall stats, you know, the OBP, the slugging. The, slug, the OBP or OPS plus and all, all the wonderful peripheral stats that have come to be in vogue in the last couple of years, they all favor or nearly all favor Joey Votto. So I would not be the least bit surprised or shocked, you know, if Votto does end up winning the MVP, which be, which would be the second of his career. And uh, like you said, Mark, it's going to be a very fascinating vote. We'll see how that turns out in a couple of weeks' time. 
Mark, that's going to wrap it up for today. We appreciate the time. Mark Sheldon, our Reds reporter, joining us on this Friday. In the meantime, Matt Wehmeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds.